Hey, y'all, we have a really special episode for you today. There is a man, John Evans, who I met, uh, who first signed up for my email list. And after talking to him on the phone, I found out that not only did he go through conversion therapy, but he also was a small group leader for conversion therapy. Um, and so we kind of talk about that journey and how he realized that, you know, what he was living and teaching was wrong. Um, so much courage, so much heart in this conversation. But I wanted to give you a heads up. There are some conversations, there's some topics that might be hard to digest. Uh, we are going to be talking a little bit about suicide. We're going to be talking about uh, different forms of abuse as well. So if this is an episode that you want to skip because of that, I completely understand and I'll see you next time. That being said, if you or someone you know is struggling with suicide um, ideation, I urge you to call 988. You are not alone. Hello, my friends. Eric Feltis here, life coach, speaker, actor, and host of The Great Unbecoming. This is a show about stories of unlearning. What did you let go of in order to become the person you are today? And what did you gain and learn as well? This is a show about letting go of stories that no longer serve us and stepping into our own authenticity. It's about unbecoming what society says you should be and remembering who you are and who you are meant to be. So sit back, relax, and welcome to The Great Unbecoming. Brene Brown says that we are not here to be right. We are here to get it right. And I have such a courageous human being on the call on our podcast today. Uh, that exemplifies that in such a beautiful way of potentially not getting it right, but having that courage, um, excuse me, not being right, but having that courage to get it right. Um, John Evans was uh, involved in Exodus International, which is one of the most popular conversion therapy camps that existed. And uh, he led a small group. Uh, he is not in that place anymore. Uh, but y'all, <laughs> can you imagine how much courage it takes to, to be a part of that movement and to reflect and to say, you know what, maybe I didn't get it right then, but what can I do to get it right now? Uh, I just, I am so grateful that John has had the courage to be on this show. How many times can I say courage? Um, I, I met John because he signed up for my email list, which y'all can do as well. If you go to lifecoachingbyveltus.com, I ended up calling him. I just wanted to make sure that he got the first email and we ended up having such a beautiful conversation. And I thought, you know what? I need to share this conversation with the world. So I'm inviting you into the space with us, audience members, listeners, listen with an open mind and an open heart. I know that you will be inspired. Um, by, by John's story. Mr. Evans, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, how you doing? How you doing? How are you doing? <laughs> My New York is coming out. <laughs> hey, I guess I pick up on accents without noticing it. Maybe I'm feeling yeah. a little nervous right now. How are you feeling? Good, good. Good. Thank you again for being here. Um, you know, I don't know if you've listened to any episodes, but these are super casual. There's, we, we, we go where the wind takes us. So I would like to kind of, and I always tell people, listeners have heard me say this a thousand times. I, I start with one question and I let you go. And then I rudely interrupt along the way. How does that sound? That's fine. Great. That's fine. 
So, John, this is the first time seeing you. We've only had one phone conversation, so it's just so fun and exciting to, to have this conversation and to get to know you a little more. I want you to start pre-Exodus, and I want you to start um, you know, pre-married. I know that you were married and have children. Talk about maybe, you know, start with your formative years. Start with when you knew, you know, you weren't like the other boys. What was that growing up? What was that experience like for you? I don't know. It was, it was um, probably in sixth grade. So I don't know what age you are then. Yeah. But I remember being really attracted to my teacher. You know, that uh, it was just like, I didn't understand it, you know, yeah, right, uh, right. Uh, but the other teachers were all nuns. So I guess that was, you know, <laughs> some people only... are into that, John. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so so Catholic. I knew, I knew, you're right. Yes. Same. Very Catholic. Same. Same. Uh, um, and I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. You know, it was just. Yeah, you know, and I just ignored it. Um, uh, it was also difficult because I grew up in a very abusive home. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, I, I was sexually abused as a young child. Mm. And it was after that that my father started calling me faggot. So, wow. um, so I don't, so to pinpoint anything, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you do know. That, I think oh, you, that, you gave a great example, a great start yeah. yeah yeah so it was basically that and as i got older it became more prevalent you know sure. the attraction mm -hmm. you know to certain friends of mine not every of them, all of them but you know certain ones um yeah so it was you know basically you know just growing up and not understanding what was going on sure and there was no space you know, for you to talk about it no, not not at that time. No, not at and, all. And for your yeah. for your father to 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 exclude to to call you that word and to make you feel so unsafe in your own house, that was a message that you can't talk to your father about it. Right. And, and if yeah. I may, and, and and I'm sure we'll get there with Exodus. I'm sure they highlighted on this as well. Um, there are two things, John, that I see in the comments often. One thing I see in the comments on my own videos is that I'm fatherless, that I'm an orphan. Um, and another thing I see often is, oh, I must have been molested. I must have been sexually abused. Right. For me personally, I was never sexually abused. And also my father has always been very present and very loving in my life. And so it's a misconception that all gay people don't have fathers and, and have been sexually abused unfortunately you have a different story and so because because of those myths those dangerous lies i'm sure that being abused and that having a father that that well also a father who verbally abused you i'm sure that just added to the confusion about that it's it did but i met people in exodus like yourself that had great parents hmm. you know hmm never sexually abused and they was they were struggling so i'm like so why are they hmm. you know so that started me questioning whether this whole exodus thing was real or not well, i love you know, that i love that you met those people and they kind of helped you realize it did the opposite of conversion therapy it was just like, i was like yeah if everybody was like me i could understand it but i was like these people have and then you know 
the other leaders, uh, this woman, Penny, would go, well, it must be somewhere deep inside that you were sexually abused. And they'd be like, no. Right, right. You know, and but it was a constant, like, that must be there. Or um, you must not be remembering or you just blocked it out or something like that. And yeah. I was just like, Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Nothing ever happened. Hearing you say that is, that's so abusive and damaging. And, and it goes to show that people in Exodus, therapists in Exodus, y'all, if you're not watching on YouTube, I'm putting that in quotes, are not licensed therapists. Because that is a very damaging, abusive practice to to basically force feed a belief into a child because then that child could be like, well, maybe I did. John, I'll tell you, when I, I'm, I hate saying this, but when I was growing up, I prayed to God, God, I know that my father has been in my life, so God, please unlock the memory from when I was abused that clearly yeah. I have I have hid away and how much, how damaging and how, how brainwashing that is for, for people. Right. No, uh, it's, it's, I thought it was ridiculous, you know, personally, myself, you know. Yeah. So, you're lucky you weren't sexually abused, you know, or, or whatever, you know, you're very I, fortunate. I want your thoughts on this after having been a victim of that. My, as a non-therapist, uh, my, my guess is that the reason these myths have come about are for a couple reasons. One, I think that potentially many pedophiles latch on to vulnerable children and they can maybe right. sense that those the children who are naturally gay are different than the other kids. So maybe they're more likely to be silent. And it, would you say that's, let's do one at a time. Would you say that's accurate? I would say that's accurate because that happened to me in the Boy Scouts. Okay. Okay. Um, there was the, uh, you know, I don't mean to go off, but the assistant scoutmaster who was a friend of my father saw the abuse that my father would give me. Yeah. And he kind of like befriended me. Hmm. I was the only one in, scout that he you know took under his wing yeah and i didn't know i was being groomed to become you know more than just uh so it it was um you know i was only 13 at the time wow so um it was it was very confusing to me and, and i looked up to this guy because oh he stood up to me he stood up for me against my father who was a raving lunatic yeah. and and he was taking care of me, not realizing that he was setting me up. Wow. Um, so, you know, it was like a year later that he, you know, molested me in, in a scout camp. Hmm. I'm, um, I'm so sorry. And thank you again for sharing that. I, I, I think it's so imperative that we hear your story because now I know my listeners know this, but it's important for us to remind it. <laughs> abuse, sexual molestation does not make a child gay. It's really the opposite. We're targeted because of that. And that's what was amazing. It was years and years later, I was at this Buddhist retreat and I was saying that to somebody and they said, did you ever think maybe you were just a gay kid that got molested? And it was like, the lights came on. Ding, ding, like, ding. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that could be it. Makes so much sense, right? But it was like, and I value myself as being somewhat intelligent and everything. And I was like, how was I stupid for so long? You oh, know, well, well, I didn't well, see common sense, you know, that this was, um, but once your eyes are open, it's just like, you know, there's no, there's no going back to, you know. 
I'm, I'm sure you know this now, John, but let's remind you and remind the listeners, you were not stupid for not knowing, right? You, you were kind of born into the cult of innocence uh, called this, this version of Christianity and grooming and the Boy Scout, the culture of Boy Scouts that you were a part of, right? Uh, again, not all Christians, not all Boy Scouts, you, you understand what I'm saying, but it's easy. It's easy to be manipulated by groomers to believe that it's your fault, that you're bad, that right, you did something, right. that you're stupid, right? You right. were the victim. And again, I'm, I'm certain you know this, but it's important to say that for anyone else listening as well. You're not stupid. Right. They know what they're doing. Right. So thank you. Um, so the other point is that Oh, you must have had an absent father. I get that all the time on my comments. I get the word fatherless or where's your dad or dad check or orphan, all these things. I have a great relationship with my dad, which to me personally, honestly, it tells me a lot more about the commentators than it does about me. It tells me that they probably have a conditionally loving father and they think that they must act right. a certain way in order to be approved of by their father. But but I would like to say y'all listening, if, if your father has abused you and you are gay or your father has left and you are gay, uh, you are not gay because they left or because they abused you. However, it shows the fragility and the fear from your father and your father is not you. Um, I'm glad to hear that by being a part, ironically, by being a part of Exodus, you realize, oh, wait a second. You were starting to connect the dots in that way. Right. So that was, so that was 13. The damage kind of was done at that point. You got older. Um, let's, let's fast forward a little bit to you know, a little later in life when you, you met your wife, what was that like? And did you, did you date women up until that point? Uh, yes. Um, you know, in high school, cause you couldn't not, you know, right. You would have been considered, you know, a fag or whatever, you know, like, why doesn't he have a girlfriend? You know, yeah. so I always went, um, I was also very shy and very um, introverted. Mm. Um, so it took me a while to, um, you know, uh, warm up. If I was drinking, I'd be fine because I started drinking at a very young age. Mm. Uh, but it was um, so I did. And then, then then I met my wife and we were friends for like a year. You okay. know, she worked in the same office as I did and we were friends. And somehow we just started dating. Um, and then she was telling me some of her stuff and I was telling her some. And I told her right away. I said, I, I struggle with this. I don't want to be gay, but I do have this, you know these feelings and stuff so, because I wasn't, you know, at the time I wasn't thinking we were ever going to get married or anything. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then she told me about the sexual abuse she um, suffered under her father. Hmm. So, and it was, I, I, it was almost like two broken people finding themselves trying to make one whole person. Say that um, again, slower. Say that again. It was two broken people joining together to make one whole person. And wow. So it was, it was basically that I was rescuing her. She was rescuing me. Um, yeah. And it just, you know, it, you know, it just, you know, that's why, 
you know. Yeah. Um, that is just so profound. I needed to hear it again. And I would add the word feel. I am getting very nitpicky with you, but two people who feel broken. I say right, this to myself, right. John, because sometimes I feel broken. I don't feel like a whole person. That's shame. Shame will make you believe right. that you're disconnected or that you're broken or that you're not enough. Uh, so two people who feel as if they're broken and you probably believed in a conditionally loving God. It's an, if this, then that, if right. I marry this woman, then I will be loved. If I rescue her, that'll give me worth. That'll, that'll give me a reason to be on this planet as opposed to just being right. I'll be normal. I'll fit in. Fitting in. A lot of my, a lot of my life was just to fit in. I didn't want to stand out. Mm. Uh, I, I just wanted to, um, you know, I used to say, I want a white house with a white picket fence and a neighborhood where all the houses are the same. So yeah. no one would, no one would notice anything. You want to just was, disappear. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, just fit in, you know. So did you have that life with your wife? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And uh, so how did you evolve from, I think we're just dating. I had these, these, these struggles to getting married. I I don't, she was pushed, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about, she, but she was very manipulative, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I think we can all be manipulative, but, you know, after we were married, you know, she wanted to get away from her father so bad. And then I'm like, so why is he over the house every night? You know, it was just, wow. I didn't, I didn't understand, I didn't understand that. Yeah. Uh, that. I thought you hated him. Why is he here? I hate my father. You don't see him over, wow. you know? So, so a lot of it was, was that, um, and I would have to put up with that. And that, uh, the reason we stayed married so long was because I had children and I didn't want my father-in-law near them, you know, because I didn't trust him with my children. Sure. Sure. Um, and she said, Oh, he would never touch the, you know, his grandchildren, I said, well, he should have never touched all of his daughters. Period. You know? So, um, so it, it, so a lot of it was that, you know, I don't want to say that I was an angel. I had an affair when I was like, uh, we were married about six years and I had yeah. an affair with, uh, uh, my boss of all people for about two years. You love people in authority first, your teacher when you're 13. Well, not you didn't have you, a crush on him, period, just a crush. Yeah. And then you're a boss. Look at you. I know. <laughs> Actually, my, my psychiatrist once said, he goes, you have to stop picking people that represent your father. I was going to say goes, daddy issues. <laughs> he's a, he goes, including your wife. Mm. She goes, he goes, they're all these angry people that you pick, you know. Well, we accept the love we think, think we deserve, as it says in the perks of being a wallflower. So maybe that's what, maybe you thought you deserved nothing but an angry person with power. Also, I knew how to handle an angry person with power. And so it made you feel important because I can handle this. I can tame this. I can right. do this. I'm worthy of this. Right. I don't yeah. know how to do it if somebody else isn't like that. Like I had a hard time with my president. Realized, like, why isn't he yelling? Why isn't he screaming? Mm. Why isn't he? John, don't get too far ahead. I got to leave the audience members wondering if you're happy or not. Don't say it. Okay. Maybe he's okay. miserable, y'all. This could be a lifetime movie. You never know. Commercial break. Okay. Right. Um, okay. So then Sorry. you had, <laughs> you should be. I'm kidding. So then you had three children. 
Four children. Four children. By the way, was that good? I, I was trying to yell at you to, to fulfill that fantasy. Was I was I angry enough or do I need to be more angry at you? No, you were good. You were good. Okay, good, good, good. I don't do anger well. It's not true. I do anger very well in the car when no one's around or like when technology right. doesn't work. I like to right. say if technology doesn't work, that technology is homophobic. I like to right. accuse other things, but I, I get very angry, but not, and I say heinous things, but not when anyone's around, just not at people. Right. Anyway, that's for my therapist, John, not for you. So, okay. So you, let's see, where were we? Uh, had an affair. You're not an angel. Uh, you know, I was engaged to a woman when I was 25. I cheated on her with a man. I, uh, I hold myself accountable for that. I wish I had handled things differently. And also what else is true is that my cheating was a symptom of me living a closeted life. It's like if you shake up the Coke bottle too much, there's so much pressure, it needs to come out in some way, shape or form. So when you don't have a healthy, open, authentic life, those things will come out. Again, you and I could have done better. And also, we are also at the same time victims of a society that said we shouldn't exist particularly right. you more than me, because you're a couple years older than me. Um, yeah, so, well, you said it, not me. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Okay, so let's fast forward a little bit to you were married when you got involved in Exodus. What, um, what prompted you getting involved with Exodus? Um, I had the, a religious awakening i i would say that you know i was like really suicidal and everything when i and that's when i ended it with my boss and stuff so it was i couldn't live this life that was it was two different lives i was living you know mm. i was like this super gay guy and then i was this you know you know altogether husband of two you know mm. and um, at the time there was only two kids and it just became such a burden uh, and I couldn't handle it. So I was, hmm. I, I tried to commit suicide and luckily it obviously it didn't work. Yeah. And, um, and I had this awakening and I became very aware that God existed because I was an atheist before then. When I left high school, I was an atheist. I said, you know, this is all bullshit. Excuse hmm. my language, but it was, I didn't believe anything anymore. Uh, and then when I felt his presence, I realized, you know, that, oh, there is, there is a reason I'm still here, hmm. you know? So I was, you know, doing that and I was fine on my own. And then, I, you know, I, I kept on getting these crushes on people that were like, um, I had one with my with one of my brother-in-laws and I said, this is worse than Nick. You know, mm -hmm. Nick was the, the boss. I said, this one is worse than Nick. I said, you know, and there's no sexual, there's no sex, but there was this emotional, what did they call it? Dependency on him hmm. um, that was, um, it was, it was, I was a prisoner of it. And wow. I, I needed to break it. So my sister and her infinite wisdom said, no, there's this group down the road that meets, you know, maybe you should go there. And that's what I did. I went there and. Pause. I want to pause you. 
This is one of me, okay. an example of me rudely interrupting. I, I'm curious, I have thoughts, but I'm curious to know, why do you feel as if you had this pattern of having crushes on the quote unquote wrong guys, the ones that you shouldn't have had crushes on, like your brother-in-law? When I look back, they were, they were all very angry people. Okay. Um, okay. Um, I'm wondering. Uh, he was yeah, extremely please. angry and broken. So that definitely lines up with, with your story. Is it possible that subconsciously you are trying to hit the eject button and that subconsciously you are trying to destroy your marriage, like, like do something so bad that would be so unforgivable that because you didn't have the words to end it? Is that possible or no? I think that's part of it. Yeah. I think that's part of it. It's like, all right, how much, how much crap can you put up with without, you know, because, you know, without doing something. Um, I hear this a lot from clients and from people I talk to and, and just stories of people in unhappy relationships or people where they're not for better, or for worse, they're just not happy in their current relationship. They try to self-sabotage because they don't know how to use the words yet. Uh, they find themselves attracted to people they, again, they shouldn't be. And it feels all consuming when we are not attracted to our partner, when we are not um, really, really in it and connected and aligned with our partner, oftentimes, because attraction is normal in all relationships, you're going to be attracted to other people, but it's easy for shame to be compounded on top of that attraction when you're equal when you're also not happy with the person you're with. So it's like, I'm hearing from you, John, shame on top of shame on top of shame. So, right. I was which, very shame based. Yeah. And so that led you to, uh, that led you to sign up for my four step guide to break free from your people, please or prison. But that's, that's at the end of the story. So, but anyway, back to you. So you go to Exodus, which I like to say that my program and what I do is like the opposite of conversion therapy. It's unconversion right. therapy. But before you did that, I'm gonna un, I'm gonna uninterrupt you now and and give it back to you. So you're 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 getting involved in Exodus. And what happened next? And I was just going, and I realized I never felt like I fit in anywhere. And there, I was like respected. I was almost. Um, uh, not put on a pedestal, but really more accepted. And I found my group. Um, you were seen. Which I had never had before. And um, and for me, that was a big thing because I always felt so inferior. So I felt stupid, ugly. Um, and when I look back, I was like, that was really, why did you think all that, you know? Mm. Uh, but I was, because I was told that every, every day of my life. And even with my wife getting married to her, I was like, somebody actually wants me. I better jump on this because I'll never find anybody. Scarcity. It's the scarcity mindset. It's the, I need to fit in. Right. I need to do X, Y, and Z in order to be good. Right. And, 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 and that's basically yeah. You know, I keep hammering on Brene Brown. I talked about her at the beginning of this, of this show and, and what I'm seeing, and she talks about this, the difference between fitting in and belonging, fitting in is kind of cutting off pieces of yourself to contort to the human being that society says you should be, which is what you did most of your life. Shame on top of shame on top of shame. As a result, belonging is being seen, feeling safe and celebrated 
as and because of who you are and not in spite of who you are. So here you are in this group. Of course, you're not celebrated for being gay in this group. But ironically, it, it still gave you a sense of belonging because you were around other people who also felt broken. And you didn't have to hide. You could actually talk about it. What a, ironically, what a healing part of your journey in a weird way. Part of it was, it, it, that's exactly how I feel, that a lot of it was, wasn't that bad, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was just when it was just getting to the point where this is crazy. Yeah. This is, you know, the two people that ran it, used to be partners. Now they still live together. They have a checking account together. Everything is the same. I said, you're like a married couple, but you're just not married. You know, it was just, yeah. and that was, you know, they would fight and bicker and they'd be jealous of each other. And I'd be just like, and I'd be looking at them going, and you're leading this group, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you can't, uh, uh, and it was all these things that started like piling up in my head going, this isn't, you know, working. And then I knew people in the Exodus that were, you know, they kept on saying, oh, I've fallen and I had sex with this one, but then I repented. I said, but you're doing it like every week, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's working. I don't think know? it's working, friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I say that Exodus doesn't conversion therapy doesn't work. Be, well, for several reasons. One, we, being being gay is it's a part of us. It's it's not a choice. We are who right. we are, and it's there's nothing wrong with it. That's the main reason. But also, it's like it, it's it's a corrupt but also very smart business plan, right? Because you always need them as long as they can continue to convince you that it's your fault that you haven't changed yet. You haven't prayed hard enough. Oh, it's because you slipped. That's your fault. Just keep praying, keep doing the work, keep repenting and you'll be good. So you're continually going back. Right. Belonging is a basic human need. Sex is one tool that we can activity that we can use in order to feel a sense of belonging. Of course it can be abused as well, but our bodies are, are designed to crave sex because our bodies are also designed to crave a sense of belonging and connection. So we're cutting off that natural desire. And by cutting it off, it makes it even more unhealthy. The symptoms of cheating, as you've expressed, adding shame, oh, I messed up. So then what, what's the solution? Go back to Exodus. Therefore, Exodus becomes both the doctor and the sickness. Right. I, yeah, I, I totally agree. That was that's good. Like, that was good, John. I got to pat myself on the back for that yeah. one. I'm going to write that one down. That's Thank God this is recorded. That's why they that's don't why exist. They don't exist anymore. Well, they don't exist, but but several other right. conversion therapies still do. Right. Yeah. But anyway, so so you were you were a part of this this group, and then talk about like how do you transition from? Actually, before we talk about your transition into more of a leadership role, can you share with us, are you comfortable sharing some, you know, obviously there was a sense of belonging, but I also, I don't want to paint the picture as it was all rosy and good. Like, what are some things that they had people do that might be, have, have added to the shame? They, my group really wasn't that bad, but then I went on to, have you ever heard of Journey into Manhood? Heard of it psychotic hmm. crazy people they would have you like um do these um 
psychodramas where you reliving past events. Mm. Um, and they're not qualified people running these things, right. you know, um, like I had to relive being sexually abused, you know, and it was just, and it got so bad. They had a, I went into like this state of like totally incoherency where they had to stop, take me out of the room and try to calm me down for like an hour. And it was, it was just torture. You know, it was, and I, I was just like, can I ask a question yeah. for clarification? When they said, have you reenacted to what extent do they have you reenact your sexual abuse? Uh, well, they didn't, you know, sec sexually abuse me, but you know, setting the scene or, um, you know, um, and, you know, it was more, you know, mentally. You so know, visualize it, reenact yeah. it, re relive right, it. Right. Got right. it. And Got have it. people playing these, these parts, you know, they did it with that. They did it with my abusive father where they had somebody playing my father cursing at me. And Oh my know, gosh. It, it, it was brutal. It was, yeah. I heard. And actually one of the mm -hmm. main people there. He was, he was, well, he was a psychotherapist. He, he's now living as a gay man, mm. you know? Mm. So, um, and so it's, but it was, that, that was a, abuse. I think. I know? would agree. I tell me if you've heard this or if you've experienced this, I've heard stories from clients where, um, they make you re re not relive, but they make you, uh, explain in detail all of your most recent sexual experiences or sexual fantasies, how often you've masturbated, who you've thought of, what position you were like detail in front of even minors, sometimes in front of grow audience of grown men. Right. They've never done that to me, but I I've heard that happening. Another thing I've heard My group um, is mainly, yeah. mainly lesbians. There was only okay. two gay guys in the group. So okay. Was, uh, uh, it, it was more, more women. Sure. In it. I also have heard Somebody. stories where they show people, uh, images of heterosexual couples and nothing happens. And then they show images of pornography, of gay pornography, and they zap you when you see it to inflict physical pain into I've you when you that, see those images. I've never, I've never had that. Those were some of the, the live away programs like okay. uh, desert stream and Got it. some of those programs. Got it. Got it. Well, I'm happy to hear that you, I never it. went that far. I Good. I, I was Good. Like, um, so, so you've experienced, but you experienced enough <laughs> and then, right. yeah. Tell me about that transition. What called you to want to be more of a leader in this small group at Exodus? <sighs> it wasn't, it was more like, it wasn't like I've said, oh, I want this. It was more like, oh, you got this. <laughs> because I, 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 you know, it was, there was a problem where a lot of the guys that join these groups, especially the Christian groups, they're just looking for Christian boyfriends. Oh, funny. And, uh, and there was this one guy who was just a predator, mm. you know, and I called him out on it and, you know, because he was really hassling, hassling this one guy and I stepped into it and, and 
ended it because hmm. the guy one the guy he was hassling was really upset about it and he didn't know what to do and so by me stepping in um they said oh john can be the men's group leader <laughs> so it wasn't like i wasn't looking for it i wasn't it was looking that. for you right um so basically that and i would hope that anybody would have done what i did you know for sure i i was talking to a good friend uh who is uh uh a gay pastor. And he told me, this is a little off topic, but I'll get there. He said, that which you are seeking is seeking you. That which you are seeking is seeking you for better or for worse. So whatever you're putting out in the universe, that thing is also seeking you in return. So I'm not super surprised that you were kind of handed this leadership position because you were so seeking approval the, the fitting in, being needed, right? And also in the context of this quote-unquote hetero, uh, same-sex attracted but hetero lifestyle, right? Right. So, so you become this leader. And you told me on the phone, I am jumping a little bit, but talk to me about that time that you were interviewed on TV. What was that like? Um. <sighs> That was with a, a Catholic organization um, because as I was going away from Exodus, I was transitioning out of Exodus and going to Courage, which was the Catholic equivalent where they don't believe um, uh, you don't have to pray the gay away. You can be gay, but celibate uh, is mm. more their philosophy. Yeah, we call that side B today. Have you heard that term? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So side um, so, B is um, feeling like you are gay or you have same sex attraction, but it's a sin to act on it. But just right. for anyone not, so, that don't doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. So that's I started going because I knew this wasn't working. Exodus was not working. Mm -hmm. These people weren't working. You know. Right. I could see just everybody in Exodus. They were all like. And they would tell, tell me, you know, I'm struggling, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm dating this one. You know, just like, okay, but you are a leader. You know, mm. why are you, you know, and you just saw that it was all, it was a house of cards that was just falling apart. Um, mm. So then I said, well, this ain't working, so maybe I'll go over here, you know, this way I can maintain my marriage and, you know. Um, mm. And somehow I... I ended up on Catholic TV, you know. Uh, and did you, at any point in time, if I may, like, and in somebody's to... book, I'm a chapter in somebody's book, uh, an and like a, a conversion that. therapy book or what? Uh, there was this woman on Catholic TV, Jeanette Benkovic. She had a TV show called The Abundant Life, and um, she was the one that interviewed me. Okay. Um, and then she wrote a book. People had that have um, experienced God, was it? And she had like you know eight or nine chapters of people that have experienced God. Okay. So I was one of her chapters, and it was basically just a rewrite of my interview. So in this interview, I'm, I'm assuming that you're promoting like the side B lifestyle. Am I right? Right. But I also argued with the guy on the, you had so many of these people that were, that were uh, 
part of Exodus, whether the this guy was a psychologist and he was saying, well, that's because you didn't play sports as a okay. kid. Okay. And I'd be like, and, and they have, they call it the sports wound. Oh and courage God. actually has weekends where people go to learn how to play sports and you're going to come out of there straight. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You throw balls at my face. I'm going to be gayer, John. Okay. <laughs> but it was just, it, it was the absurdity of that. Stuff. Absolutely. They're just grasping like, at straws. And, I, and the guys arguing with me, I said, I don't think that has anything to do with it. You know, that, you know, yeah, I don't like gross sports, but uh, that didn't make me gay. Right, right, you know? right. Did and, and again, I don't know how to say this without sounding like an asshole, so I'm just going to say it. During this interview, during those conversations where you're kind of publicized a little bit, in the back of your head, at any point, were you like, "This is all bullshit"? What am I doing? Like, was there a voice like that, or not yet? Not yet. Because okay. I wouldn't have done it if I felt if okay. I felt that way. Then I would have not done it. So let's talk about that. When what was that transition like for you? It was just that um, uh, I don't know. It was just it was just that it wasn't going away, and my depression was getting worse and worse and worse. And I had been sober like twenty years, and the depression was still there. It was constant, constant there. I went to therapy, you know, I was, and while I got a lot of good help out of Christian therapy, mm -hmm. my whole life changed when I went for, to a secular guy. You Say know. more. I hear you. Uh, because I was, I was, and the one therapist was, she was, she was good. She said, John, she goes, you have so many issues. Let's not even talk about the homosexuality. She goes, right, right. that's the least of your, your problems. Uh, but there was still that always that reinforcing that if I get fixed, if I fix myself, then I won't be gay, yeah. which is what we were told constant. Yeah, right. If you fix the sexual abuse, if you fix your daddy issues, you fix your mommy issues. Uh, if you fix all these issues, you'll all of a sudden be wake up being straight. And I look at now and going like, how did I ever think that was going to work? You know, but again, um, pause, pause, be nice to yourself and be yeah. nice to people listening because some people might be, I'm not judging you right now, but some people might right. be in that place of thinking, how did I not know? Like, let's, let's right. break this cycle of putting shame on top of shame. The reality is, is you just didn't. The reality when I was engaged to a woman I could beat myself up over that. I'm not proud of that, of dragging her along like that. But the reality is, is I genuinely thought in that condition, I believed in that conditional love that you did. Right. If I do this, then I will be good, right? We're victims of that society. Right, right. So I don't even know where to go from here, John. Where were we? So so years, so so the therapist, the, the secular therapist, the uh uh, the non-religious therapist was like, hey, let's talk about these other issues. And then how did you break the cycle of, of that being inside me, that conflict? It was just like, there's nothing I can do that's going to change this. I've know, tried everything, right? Right. I, I've done it. I've, And it's not like I tried it like 
fifty percent or seventy five. I tried it one hundred and eighty percent. One hundred percent. Everything yeah. I did, I didn't do one hundred percent. I always gave way over one hundred percent. I said, "This isn't working. There must be something else." And I saw all these other people. You know, they come all happy and everything, and. And then it was my, my kids were grown and I said, well, I really don't have to be around to protect them anymore. Mm. And that was part of it. Um, yeah, sure. But I stayed so long because I had so much financially, you know, and I wanted, you know, I had, we had a house, we had cars, we had, you know, everything. And um, so I was just going to live as a non-sexual gay man. Uh, and that was, and I was fine with it, but I was, I was learning how to stand up for myself also. Like mm -hmm. my therapist goes, you didn't leave them. They left you because they don't know who the hell you are anymore. Mm. You weren't that people pleasing or oh, whatever you want to because I You've always changed, so much right? guilt. Yeah, of course. I've always had. I would let her do anything she wanted just of course. because I felt so bad of what I had done, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I was just like, no, this is, this is not going to happen anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. And yeah. That was in the past. This is now either, you know, um, get with the program or, or, you know, not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, and I, we were going to, I was going to end it and then I ended up with cancer. So then I felt like I needed to stay. Not, I don't know. It wasn't really for me. It was just like somehow I took it as God's sign to stay with her. Okay. Know? Yeah. Uh, and it was, but it was right after that. Like I was like, no, I can't do this. I can't. Um, and it was, again, it wasn't like I just left. It was, I felt so trapped. I didn't know what to do. And I thought the only way out was suicide hmm. again, you know, and I attempted suicide. I don't know. My therapist goes, I don't know how you're not dead yet, but you're not. Uh, and, and I just, I left the house and I just never went back, hmm. uh, you know, so, and I just, um, and it was, you know, and it was, I don't even want to say it was the gay thing. It was just I was so miserable living there. Yeah. I was living every everybody's life. Uh, we had a prayer group at my house once, and they wanted me to share. And I, you know, I was just like, nope, I'm not in the mood to share. And you know, and you should respect that. And they kept on going. Then my wife goes, "Will you just share already?" And I said, "I said you really want me to." <laughs> Uh, and she said, yeah, I said, well, and I said to everybody in the house, I said, and we were in my house. I said, I said, look around. I said, I have a really nice house. My wife's really pretty. I have four great kids. I have a BMW in the driveway, another late model, you know, Jeep in the driveway. I said, I have everything, right? Except like I built this cage around this house. I said, but guess what? To keep things out, I said, but the only problem is I'm the only one that's stuck in here. Mm. And I said, I said, I am, I've, I am trapped in this house. Hmm. And it was, it was just like, 
you've never seen so many people leave the house so fast and <laughs> you're like, oops. Oh uh, God, I never ask him again. <laughs> and I, and I just turned to her, I said, are you happy? Are you glad I shared? Mm. Uh, well, you were being authentic. It's like the bubble burst finally. Right. It was just like, I can't, you know, because well, most of the time, yeah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. but it was just like, I couldn't, you know, and it was relatively very soon after that, that it was over. Yeah. So, I, um, I, I want to ask you a question because you and I have talked about sure. this a little bit. And I'm, I, I, I specify this by saying you and I have talked about this because I, I wouldn't I wouldn't assume this, but you expressed to me that you did feel a lot of guilt for kind of leading that small group and kind of living the life you right. did and helping mm-hmm. others to live that life into shame and out of authenticity. Right. How did you forgive yourself? Um. I don't know if I ever really have, hmm. and it wasn't, I, you know, and I look at it like, and I don't want to be like, you know, that it wasn't my fault, but I was a victim of, of the whole process. Absolutely. Myself. Yeah. And I was just passing on what was passed on to me. Yeah. Um, and at the time I did it, I didn't do it intentionally. Mm-hmm. It's no, a cult of innocence, like we said. Right. Yeah. I didn't, you know, because if it was wrong, I wouldn't have done it. You sure. know, if I had felt uh, it was wrong, then I wouldn't have done it. And that's one of the reasons I left Exodus because I was like, this is all bull. You know, yeah. this is, this is, I am yeah. not going to be part of this anymore. Um, yeah. Well, again, you're, you're exemplifying the quote I opened the show with, which is that we're not here to be right, we're here to get it right. So once you knew and had new information, you can't unknow what you know. So then you were able to make decisions. And so perhaps you move through that guilt simply by changing your ways and by changing your actions right. and by breaking free out of that prison that you had put yourself in in your own house. Right. And so where is Mr. Evans today? Where am I today? I'm happily partnered. We have a house in Florida. We moved here from Oregon. Um, I'm no longer depressed. I haven't mm. been depressed in 10 years, mm. um, which was major for me. Um, I'm doing what I wanted to. I'm retired as from accounting and I became a massage therapist. So everything's good. Wow. What a beautiful four, four great kids that I, you know, that I'm very happy that I had. Mm-hmm. Like I don't look like oh everything was a mistake, you know. It was Of course not. Those were, you know, I a lot of good things came out of a, a long time of um, you know, being married and stuff like that. There's one person listening to this who has children who has tried to pray it away who is married and who, f- who feels as if they also have everything, but are, are absolutely miserable trapped in their own prison. And they are very moved right now by your story. I want you to talk directly to them. What would you like to say to that one person? Uh, these are, these are dying. Um, um, what would I like to say to them that, um, I don't know. I, I hate giving people advice. 
You don't have to give advice either. It can just be that just, you, yeah. Let the process happen, you know, um, if you start feeling things. I also felt very guilty about having my wife trapped for all those years with me. She could have had a much different life also. Right, right. Um, but if it gets to the point where you're that miserable, you, you know, no one's going to be happy. Your wife's yeah. not going to be happy. Your kids aren't going to be happy. Um, so you have to, you know, well, I had to um, make the decision to get out um, and live my life. Not everybody, because I was living everybody else's life. You were fitting in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I also I was, think I that, living... yeah. I was going to say, John, I think that, you know, I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot with that, that question. The reality is it, it doesn't really matter how you answer the question because your story is enough. Your story exemplifies, you know, the, the, the truth, the good news, which is that you can start over. You can make amends with yourself, with your, with your ex-wife, with your children, with the people around you. It's right. never too late. I have clients as right. young as 21 and I have clients in their late 60s. I have a client who came to me when he was 67, John, and he uh, was recently, six years ago, divorced from his wife, has two daughters with her, but had never been with a man. And he said, I want to be with a man. Two weeks into the program, that happened for him. By the end of the program, he was All in a relationship. Right. My point is, listener, dear listener, you are worthy of love. You are worthy of belonging. You do have to make the decision. It is up to you. Right. But my goodness, is it worth it? And John, I think your story is is exemplary of that. Right. So thank you for sharing your story. Oh, thank you. This has been fun. Um, John, it's a pleasure. I'm so glad that you're in this community with us. Thank you for your story and for your time. And y'all, I will talk to everyone next week. Oh, before I let you go, if anyone wants to like contact you because they have questions about or need advice, are you okay with that? Yeah. yeah. How can they sure. reach out to you? Uh, probably email. You have the email address. Yes. You want to give it here and then I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. It's, uh, John J O H N L D Evans at yeah. yahoo.com. Beautiful. I was just looking at it too. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, John. Thank you listeners. We love all of you and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right, my friends, that's all we have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Great Unbecoming. And if you did, please share this on your social media and tag me, Eric Feltus. That's Eric Feltus on Instagram and Facebook and Eric.Feltus on TikTok. And to make sure you don't miss another episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts and go ahead and give us a five-star review. Your ratings and reviews are really the fuel that keep us going. And we're so grateful for your support. And of course, check out this episode and all episodes on our YouTube channel at Life Coaching by Feltus. And finally, don't forget to go to www.lifecoachingbyfeltus.com and sign up for our email list and stay up to date on everything that's coming up and going on in our shame-free community. I will see you next time. And until then, know that in this space, you are always seen, supported, and celebrated. Bye for now.